I'm glad to be in Crossway Church tonight. Amen. I know it's a cold, snowy, icy couple of days, and when we say that here, we don't mean, you know, we just had a normal couple of days. We mean it's hazardous out there, basically. <laughs> it's You can't hardly get anywhere, you know, so uh, that's why, you know, we, we, uh, we're having service tonight, but like Dad said, obviously, if you can't get here, don't try to force your way, you know, be safe, and uh, because the gospel's the gospel, amen, and and uh, it's the gospel anywhere. And I'm glad for technology and streaming and things like that. Of course, uh, it's used in the wrong way a lot of times, but it can be used to get this glorious gospel and the truth out too. Amen. And it's a big part of the ministry here. And uh, But I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be gathered. And like uh, he was just letting the snow on Sunday, the service changed a little bit. I was encouraged to see us all gather in prayer and lift up that need that I'm believing the Lord to meet and all the other needs that we pray for every service. Uh, so tonight's going to be part two of Guarded by the Cross. We're going to open up in a passage uh, similar but different than last week's, and this is going to be First Peter, First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. And as we're turning there, I'll give us a, a quick recap for those who weren't here, those who uh, uh, were here and need a recap of part one. We talked about mainly the trial of our faith. And I, we're going to get in tonight about how we're tried, uh, our faith is tried, but in, that, in the midst of that battle and that trial, we're guarded by the cross. And last week we talked about how Every moment, according to the Bible, there's a spiritual battle going on inside of us. And that's not some mystical, magical thing we say and get up here and say there's a thousand angels battling out and all this. We're not talking about all that. We're talking about the inward work, the inward battle that's going on inside of us every moment that we tend to create distractions to get away from. And, and that battle that's going on, there, it's a twofold thing, as we discussed last week. There's the powers of darkness, Satan, uh, our flesh, our old man, and the world all working together to pull us away from the cross, that place where God has planted us in His Son, Christ Jesus. And at the same time, on the other side, there's a godly and a righteous uh, test being uh, given by God, testing us and trying us to see what we're going to do with the faith He's given us. And, and, and that's God doesn't tempt us. He doesn't do anything evil He can't. He's, he's holy completely through and through. But He does try us and test us. And Job 7.18 tells us that he, try, he visits us every morning and He tests us, He tries us every moment. And when God shows up, He's not just trying to see uh, how's your day going, what's, what's going on. He cares for us, but He cares for us in the way of wondering and testing, what are we going to do with our faith today? What are we going to do with our trust? Are we going to put it in Him? Are we going to put it in trust in Christ and what He did? Or are we going to look to ourselves today? So when God shows up to try us, and when God shows up to test us, once again, I'll repeat, He's not testing our patience. He's not testing our humility. He's not testing our, uh, 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 our, our this or our that. He's testing our faith. 
which leads to patience, which leads to humility and every other good and fruitful work. We're told there in James chapter 1. But when God shows up, he's testing to see whether or not we have our spiritual eyes open. And that means, as we learned and we've been learning for a while now from this ministry in this pulpit, 2 Corinthians 4.11 tells us that the work's already been done. God has already delivered us every moment to the place of victory. In that battle that's going on, that, tr- that, that one side trying to pull us away from, from Christ and the other side testing to see where our faith is going to be, the, the answer for both has already been given. And the answer is Galatians 5.1, Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has set you free. He, he's already set you free. And 2 Corinthians 4.11 just tells us that the place where God is, is testing to see if we will believe in and walk in every moment, He's already done the battle, won the battle and finished the job for us. He's not only died on the cross, but now He delivers us to that position every moment of the day. It's a done battle, not just in the finished work, but also He has set us up to just realize and acknowledge where we're at, where we're planted, and, and who we are in Christ. And I don't mean some weird, whacked out, you know, know who you are identity. I'm talking about our true identity in Christ, which is dead and buried. And then the other side, which is new and risen and ascended and seated. Amen? In the throne life. And be sure to tune in on Fridays to hear about that. Amen? But that's our spiritual reality. So God, every moment, He has already set it up for us to only have to enter in to rest in that position, that position of crucified, and He's delivered us there. And I don't think it's a coincidence that the Bible says He's testing and trying our faith every moment, and every moment He's delivered us to the death of Jesus. That tells us right there, we can go home after hearing that. That tells us what our faith should be in. He's testing to see where your faith is every moment. And every moment, the Bible also says He's already delivered you to the place where it's supposed to be. We need to stop and dwell on that for a second. Let's just stop right here and think about that. 2 Corinthians 4.11, I'll quote it for the next 45 minutes over and over and we'll go home. But this truth here that God, he's, he's, He's set it up to be like this to where it cannot be of works, but only of grace, like every other thing He does, including our entrance into this eternal life with Him. But He set it up to where He's testing our faith, but He's delivering us to the place where we can put it if we'll just open our eyes. Amen? I hope that came out like it should have, and we're on that, that recap of last week, because the reality is, And I want to drill it home one more time. There is a battle going on, not just in the past, not just in the future, in the days ahead, but every moment, every moment there's forces trying to deliver us away from the place God has delivered us. Amen? And I left off last week by saying we don't need any help from outside voices and counsel to pull us away. 
we can do that all by ourselves. Because how many, how many of you know sometimes when we talk about the flesh and the self and the old man, we can almost talk about it in a way that puts the blame on somebody else. Oh, it's that old sin nature. It's that old flesh. No, I am that old flesh. We need to realize that. I'm in Christ. I'm born again, and I'm the new man. But that part of me that can never be changed, it'll always be a part of me until I see Jesus. And we need to realize, just as the blame was laid to Peter when Paul rebuked him in Antioch for playing the hypocrite, in our lives, when we do anything that would hinder the freedom that we've been given in Christ by the cross, we are to blame. We've got to be accountable and take the blame for our sin. It's not on anybody else. And it was our sin that nailed Christ to the tree. And when you think about that and you dwell on that, we have no room to glory in anything but the cross because it was the cross that defeated that part of us that hated God, that wanted nothing to do with Him. And when you're saved, you change immediately. And even thinking about that there's a part of you that ever hated this wonderful, loving, merciful God, you won't far from that. And you can't get far from it unless you know how to live in a place where it's already been crucified from you. As much as we love God when we're saved, Paul said in Romans 6, don't you know? In other words, you need to know something in order to live for Him. And that's the whole point of our preaching. You know, we were talking about it just the other day, and I was telling Dad that this truth, let me just read it to you, the timeless truth of co-crucifixion. The flesh is opposed to the cross because the cross is opposed to the flesh. That part of us that wants the glory, the flesh, hates the cross because it was there that Jesus put it to death. Our old self could not be redeemed, so he had to be crucified and buried. And God's only answer to our old self is death. This is not a truth that we move on from. If I'm moving away from it, it's because I don't have a hold of it. If I'm moving away from the simple truth of being crucified with Christ... If I'm beginning to see that it's less significant than I thought it was in my life, in my ministry, in my daily living, if that's what I'm doing, it's because I've either lost my grasp on it because I've looked away from it or I never had a grasp on it to begin with. But when we begin to see the cross as less significant than we did yesterday, we're in trouble. We need to understand that the most significant the cross will be... That, well, let me rephrase this. When we get born again, we understand that the price that Jesus paid is everything. It gave us eternal life. But that first day of salvation for many is the most significant that the cross will ever be to them. And that's a sad truth. But if we understand the full implication of what Jesus did there in His finished work, the, our first day as a Christian doesn't have to be where we see the cross as the greatest. But our last day as a Christian, if we've lived a full life of a hundred years old, we can glory in the cross more and more each and every day because it's the well that will never run dry. Amen? It's not for many. We, it's just the cross is just for 
for entrance into the kingdom of God. It's how I'm born again, by the remission of the blood of Jesus. But we need to understand that in order to even take the first step in our walk with Christ, it's got to be through that same avenue. As you've received Christ, so walk ye in Him. And then the main, really, point of the entire message tonight is going to be guarded and kept by that cross and what happened there. We're guarded and we're kept. See, we can minister on a million different things, but it all needs to be tied back to the cross, not just because that sounds good and it sounds right, but because there's no application without that truth. You see, the Bible not only points to Jesus Christ and Him crucified in pictures and in types and in shadows, but it also only points to Him in application meaning that we can go throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament and find a bunch of images of Jesus. Well, Joshua was a type of Jesus when he led the people into the promised land. David was a type of Christ. Moses, Joseph, all these, we can see types and shadows of Christ. But that's not the only way in which the Bible points to Jesus and what he did. It also points to him in application, meaning it points to him as our object of faith and affection. Every moment, it can only be understood through the lens of Calvary and applied by the blood of Calvary. Amen? It's all about that finished work. And if you've been following this ministry for any period of time, you know that's what we teach and believe. Amen? And I'm glad to be a part of a fellowship that does that. But there's, there's this battle going on to pull us away, to, to try to get us off track, and to get us even the slightest deviation from the gospel. Because if we can deviate the slightest from the gospel today, then five years from now we'll have left it all together if we continue on that course. So we need to be kept in order to not fall back in that place of double-mindedness and confusion of, that we talked about last or on Sunday, that place of not really knowing what to believe concerning Calvary and concerning, is it really all about the cross? In order to keep out of that place of confusion and mixture in a mixed-up, double-minded person, what needs to happen is something guarding our heart and keeping us greater than us because we can't do it in of ourselves. I can't hold on to my understanding of Calvary, and I can't further my own understanding of Calvary. The Spirit of God has to do that through the Word, through illuminating more of Christ to me. And when that happens, that's not it. Then faith comes, the Bible says, by the Word, the Word of Christ, and we have to believe it. We have to apply it. We have to trust in Christ and what He did. So we have to be kept and guarded by a power greater than ourselves. Let's read 1 Peter. I know you're saying he's finally getting to it tonight. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 5. Who are kept by the power of God, it's talking about us, through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing 
of Jesus Christ. There's a few things I want to cover here. Number one being what we were just talking about. We need to be kept by a power greater than ourselves. And there is no power greater than the power of God. Amen? And, and this verse tells us that we're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, how many of you know that Paul would write in 1 Corinthians 1.18, we know this verse, that the preaching of the cross is the power of God unto them that believe. Unto them who are saved. That's who believes, amen? So the power of God is the preaching, the word of the cross. It is Christ and what He did there. And 1 Peter tells us here, unto salvation, it's the power of God. That's talking about the first thing, the same thing Paul was referring to in 1 Corinthians 1.18. So the point here is not just that it's the power of God and you're kept by it and you and Peter's through the Holy Spirit is, is not here leaving you to try to interpret that in a million different ways. He's telling you what type of why he's keeping you, why he's guarding you. Because verse seven or verse six says, "Wherein you greatly rejoice, where in the power of God, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ." The context of this passage is once again the trial of our faith and manifold temptations, what we go through every moment of the day. And the answer for manifold temptations and the trial of our faith, the Bible once again tells us, is the, the power of God, the preaching of the cross. So I wanted to lay that foundation on Sunday and, and tonight that... Talk, telling us that we've already been given victory because we're delivered unto the place every moment that Jesus already won the battle over those things that try to tempt us and pull us away from the cross. And tonight we're seeing in another passage in different wording, but the same truth, and that's what the whole Word of God is. It's the same truth. It may say it differently, but it, it is the truth of the cross. Amen? And I don't mean say it differently in a way that not refers to it at all, like some might be saying nowadays. I'm talking about it It paints the picture clear for us. Amen? That the cross is the answer for these manifold temptations and the trial of our faith. We need to be guarded by a power that is greater than us, greater than the powers of darkness. And the only power that's greater than all those things is the power of the cross, the power of God. He chose the cross. He chose the preaching of the cross to save the world, he said. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he calls it the foolishness of the message that is preached. The foolishness of preaching. Because it's, not, it's, the mo, it, it, it's, it's the wisest thing that's ever existed. The, the preaching of the cross, the simplicity of what Christ did there. But in the eyes of everyone who, do, everyone who does not fear the Lord and value that sacrifice, it's foolishness. But those who value that, that work there, that finished work, 
God will keep you and he will guard you in that manifold temptation and the trial of your faith and he will work it to where it is actually something that you can rejoice in because you are drawing closer to him. You can rejoice in the trial and in the temptation because he wants you to see the place in which you have victory. You're already standing in it every moment. You've just got to realize right now he's already paid for it and he's already delivered me to the place of absolute victory over this. The cross. So we're kept by that power. We're guarded by that power. We're guarded from those things that would pull us away. I want us to think for a minute. We're not only guarded in the sense of where our faith is anchored there and, and, and it's immovable, the house that's built not on the sand but on the firm foundation, but we're guarded and we're kept by the right counsel. As we heard a week ago tonight, we, these outside counsels, these outside voices, anything that detracts us away from Calvary will cause us to lose that moment, cause us to lose that trial, to lose that temptation. If we begin to heed to anything other than the simplicity of the gospel, which is Christ and Him crucified, we will slip in that moment. And we're not perfect. We're not teaching sinless perfection, as we've said time and time again. What we're teaching is a perfect way, a perfect message. We are an imperfect people, and that's exactly why we need a perfect Savior and a perfect message. And that perfect message is not something that I made or, or my dad made or Paul made or Peter made. It's, it's Christ and what He did, and it cannot be changed. It's the message of power. It's the message of God's ability. And we're guarded by that message. We're guarded by that message when we only hear the preaching of that message. And when we avail ourselves to a buffet of other things, then our heart becomes unguarded. Our heart becomes open and, and ready for attack and ready to be devoured. But when we stick to the message, so to speak, when we... I say it, stick to the message. Here's a better way. Surrender and become determined, right, to know nothing other than this message. Not because I like the preacher who's preaching, and not because I like Crossway Church, or I like the, the, the teaching there, or I like this church or that church. No, because it's the power of God, and it's the only thing that can keep us. We've been given an eternal life and salvation from our Heavenly Savior. And He's told us all throughout His Word how to let Him guard you from losing that. And you can lose it. We can lose it. Amen? It's not a great place to, for me to throw in an amen. We're not amening that we can lose it. What we're amening is that the power of God can keep us in that place of salvation. Amen? He can keep us there only by His power. And I want to once again say that the trial of our faith is not the trying of circumstances around us. The trial of our faith is just what it says of our faith, of our ability to believe. Are we going to believe? God's not showing up to see what we, if we will earn our way to victory, earn our way to more righteous, the experiencing of His righteousness. He's showing up to see if we will trust in His work. 
Because when they approached Jesus in his earthly ministry and said, what must we do to do the wonderful works of God? What did he say? He said, only believe. Only believe. And what did Paul say? Paul said, we strive according to his labor. We do the works and the labor of God by believing in his work, which is the finished work where grace and mercy flows from the throne. Amen? And he's trying us every moment to see if we will keep our faith there. And in the trial from God, that's a godly and righteous thing, if he shows up and and he sees us trusting in Christ and what he's done, then the temptation is on the backside. We're focused on God and we're focused on his way and his answer for the trial, which is, and when I say trial, don't, let's, let's, I want to explain tonight, I'm not talking about trial in the sense as most of the church uses it. I'm not talking about the things that our mind instantly jumped to, that there's ice on the road, that, you know, uh, uh, whatever, that we're, we're hungry. Let's just use your imagination. Just those things when, when somebody says, are we going through a trial? Well, you will be. Most of the time they're talking about physical, temporal things being lost or wanted or lacked. But when God says trial, he's talking about your faith. That's it. He's not trying this. this. He's trying your faith so that he can work patience in you. And he doesn't work patience in us and humility in us and peace in us and love in us without first working death in us. Because that's what 2 Corinthians 4.11 goes on to say, that through the working of the death of Jesus into us, then comes the fruit. Amen? He works death in us. As we learned last Sunday, not this previous one, but the one before that, that God's Spirit was working in the death of Jesus. He, he wrought His power, Ephesians chapter 2, or he, Ephesians chapter 1, He worked His power in the death of Jesus. And He works the death of Jesus in you and I. And many might say, well, that just sounds dark. That don't sound like the the Jesus I've heard of my life. And that's because the Jesus we've heard of our entire lives is probably not the Jesus of the Bible. The Jesus of the Bible came and ministered to his, those who followed him about his death all the time. If we would just get in the Word and read the book of Luke, read the book of Matthew, Mark, and John, we would see that Jesus was always talking about his decease and his death and what he came to do. And everything else just followed right in line with that core message. Jesus preached the cross, amen? And it even, the Bible even says in Luke 9, 51 that Jesus was determined. He was determined to go to the cross, amen? So let's be determined to go to the cross as well to realize that we've already experienced it with Him. And that's where His power flows from, the place that He already worked it into. And when His power flows from there, it flows to keep us, to guard us from slipping away. Kept by the power of God. We're kept and guarded by the preaching of the cross and not by man's wisdom. Our hearts are guarded by the cross from the pull of the world the snare of the devil, the desires of the flesh, and every wind of false doctrine. And there's plenty of those. 
Our intellectual ability cannot guard us. Our past experiences cannot guard us. Our fame and fortune cannot guard us. Neither can our favorite preacher or the faith of those around us. The only thing that can keep us from all these attacks every moment is being anchored and grounded in what Christ did to win the battle 2,000 years ago. Our intellectual ability, even when we learn the, the correct way of living, how to follow God, trying to, to guard that understanding with our own strength and dabble in other things, saying to just uh, chew the meat and spit out the bone. I remember it was Pastor Scotty Williams who I heard say, uh, he says it often, but I heard him say it a couple years ago for the first time that when we're chewing the meat and spitting out the bone, what are we saying? We're saying that we trust ourselves to discern what's right in the midst of a bunch of mess where there might be one, one needle in a haystack. When we've got the Bible in front of us, where Jesus is all throughout it in that scarlet thread, amen? We don't have to chew the meat and spit out the bone of false doctrine. We can just look into God's Word and see the truth of Calvary for ourselves, amen? Hallelujah. So that's the importance of receiving the right counsel, receiving the truth. And let me just tell you, we can listen to all the preaching we want to, and that's why God has sent ministers who teach uh, the simplicity of the, the preaching of Christ crucified. But we've got to get in His Word for ourselves. We've got to get in the Word of God. We've got to get in that Word and see the living Word so that faith can begin to operate. Amen? Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of Christ, Romans ten seventeen. And really, that's why you see such a boldness among those who have made a decision that it really is all about the cross, it's because we've been in that confused state. How many has been in the, the state where you're, you're halting between two opinions and you can't quite figure out wh what's right and then you end up slipping all away and then one day you hear that preacher, you hear that message, you see it in the Word, but you have to see it. It's the message of Christ crucified once again. And you grab a hold of it and God grabs a hold of you. God's grabbing a hold and moving and shaking those who have grabbed a hold of the cross. Those who have denied self and taken up the cross. Amen. All this moving and shaking and false fire that's going on in all of these four-walled four buildings around the world that are called churches. It's not the moving and the operation of God that's really an inward work unless it's all about the cross. Unless a heart is touching Calvary, God is not responding. His, that's not my opinion. That's what the Word of God says. And that's why I'm thankful. And I, I'm thankful for in my times of confusion, in my times of, uh, of, of really not knowing that God sent messengers along the way. And any messengers that God is sending are messengers that He's already equipped with His only message. Amen? The message of Calvary. So when we heard that message come along, we heard that preacher come along preaching the truth in love. What happened? Then he began to guard our hearts once again. And preaching the truth in love, let me tell you, is not what 
many might make that out to seem. But Ephesians chapter 4, verses 13 through 15, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. We can't make this, this phrase, preaching the truth in love, to mean some type of outward thing and, and, and some type of style of teaching and preaching. That's not what's being said here. This is talking about what is being preached. How do we know that? It, it says because the result of speaking the truth in love is someone maturing into Christ. That's only done through belief in doctrine. That means what is taught. That first doctrine, that form of doctrine, the word of the cross. And if you go to verse 13 there, it says, Till we all come in the unity of the faith. How is that done? Of the knowledge of the Son of God. Once again, we've got to know something. In order for there to be unity between me and you, we've got to know something. We've got to agree upon something. Amos 3.3, how can two walk together lest they be agreed? And what do we have to agree upon? Christ crucified. Amen? How can two walk together lest they be agreed? So unity is experienced when there's knowledge of the Son of God. Amen? And when that happens, when we understand and we believe and trust in that truth that can guard us and keep us, verse 14 can be a reality that we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lay, they lie in wait to deceive. Let me tell you, any message but the, the simple message of Christ, the good news of what he did there at the cross, it doesn't matter if it's out of ignorance or complete rejection, it's a crafty message. It's of man's wisdom because it's the opposite of God's wisdom. Amen? God's got a way, and and the Bible says in Hosea chapter 4 verse 6, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge. So we need to continue to read that verse, amen? It's not just talking about a a lack of knowledge. It's talking about a rejection of knowledge. I will also reject you, that you should be no priest to me, seeing that you have forgotten the law of thy God. I will also forget your children. Hosea 4, 6, on the importance of not rejecting what we've come to hear and what we've what God has so graciously put in our path, this great message of the cross, the power, and the preaching of Christ crucified. There's a decision to make in every moment. That's the test. That's the temptation. That's the test. There's a decision to make. Will we go deeper or will we be offended and go back? Because I'm telling you right now, Every moment and every time that we go deeper into the cross, there's a part of us that screams a little bit louder. The flesh, as we open with tonight. 
And the trial might seem easy right now sitting here listening to the Word of God or when you're reading the Word of God and you're thinking, how could I not want more of the cross? But when the rubber meets the road and it's time for application in our lives, you're going to find out why you or that part of you, the flesh, doesn't want more of the cross because he loses more ground. The flesh lost all of its ground at the cross. Amen? So every time we trust in Jesus and what he did there, it has no room to glory. But it wants all the glory. Once again, I'm saying it and he, but it is a part of us. Amen? It's the part that needs to be denied. And it can only be denied when the cross is applied. So the importance here tonight of hearing and knowing God's power, which is the preaching of the cross and applying it, there's no other thing that's more important to it. And the decision that we have to make every moment is, are we going to heed this message for this area of our life or is this the, finally the time that we're going to draw back because we were too, our flesh was too offended by it? Are we going to once again see our great need and see His great answer and just go a little bit deeper in the cross, participate a little bit deeper in His sacrifice by faith? And that's what Elijah was talking about when he was on Mount Carmel with all the false prophets and Israel watching. And, and you know the story. The, the prophets of Baal couldn't get any response from their false god. But Elijah called down fire on the altar. And the picture of the altar on fire was representing the, the life that Jesus would lay down on the altar, the cross. And Elijah would say to the people, How long will you, O Israel, halt between two opinions? There's always two opinions. Christ crucified God's way and anything else that can be thought of. And Elijah said, How long will you halt between two opinions? And Israel kept finding themselves in the same situation over and over again. Would they follow the God that brought them out of Egypt? Would they follow the way of His sacrifice, the way of the Lamb? Or would they build their own false gods and worship them? And that's what Elijah was asking them. And just like Israel, and many times Israel's a picture of the church, we've got a choice to make today. And we can't look at Israel and think, how could Israel be so messed up in the Bible. I mean, that's what we think sometimes, isn't it? When we read in Exodus 32 that just some 50 days after the wonderful events of the Exodus and the Passover, they were building a, a false golden calf saying, this is what delivered us out of Egypt. We read that and say, how in the world could they do that? How could they forget about the Passover that quick? 50 days later, yet we forget in our own lives that just not even 50 days and we've forgotten about the Passover, the Lamb of God, the cross of Christ, the finished work, our answer, the power of God. Not even time goes by and we're trusting in other things of our own making. And, and, and our mind, I know our mind automatically goes to uh, trusting in Christian disciplines, trusting in the reading and, and praying or fasting. Let me tell you, we can make an idol out of anything. And those who know that truth, sometimes the idols they're making aren't out of what we refer to as Christian disciplines, reading, praying, fasting, giving, 
preaching. There are other areas we, we, don't, we, we wouldn't even recognize, but they're there and we're putting our trust in it. And it's ultimately self. But God wants to come to us every moment and, and once again test us. Are you trusting in self or are you trusting in me? Because if you trust in me and what I've done, I'll keep you and I'll guard your heart. Not only now in the middle of the trial and the temptation, but in the days to come. He's the only one who can do it, and he only has one way to do it. Just like Joshua had a decision to make, as we heard a couple weeks ago in Numbers 13.30, Joshua and Caleb, and Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Talking about the promised land. In the midst of doubt, in the midst of a false evil report, which is really just unbelief in God. In the midst of all that, Caleb stood up and said, Let us go up at once and take it, for we are well able to overcome it. You see, our statement is a little different today. Our statement is, we are more than overcomers because Christ has already overcome everything at the cross. We're not going to take any ground. We're not going to possess the land. We're not going out and marching and fighting the battle for our sin. It's already been won. And that's why he says we're more than overcomers because we didn't have to lift one sword to win the battle. He won it all and we just have to believe and surrender our lives to that truth. Amen? And if we do, he's promised to guard our hearts and to keep us in this way. And let me just tell you, when you're in the way and you're believing in Christ and what He did, did, one of your biggest prayers is going to be, Lord, keep me in this way. Lord, guard my heart. Don't let me slip back into that that I was just in. And I'm talking about that can be us at any moment. Don't let me slip back into trusting in myself that I was just doing, that I did then, that I, you name it. Because it happens when we get our eyes off of Christ. Like we, like we did yesterday, like we did then, whatever, like we did a moment ago. It happens. But the way is perfect. And Christ has promised that if we'll, if we'll follow His footsteps, which are in righteousness, which means following where He went, right to Calvary by faith, He'll keep us in this perfect way. And He'll make us into the image of Christ, to the image of His death. And it really didn't take long for the Passover to not mean much for Israel. But how long has it taken for the cross, which the Passover represented not to mean much to a lot of believers? Because when that part of us is in control that, that, that cannot be redeemed by God the flesh, it wants nothing to do with the work of the cross. That part of us, amen, we've got to deny that and take up the cross. As Jesus said, he's got a narrow way to follow him, but it's by grace and faith, amen. Just one more scripture tonight, and that's back in First Peter chapter 1, verse 5. We're going to continue with verses 8 and 9, which tells us, Back up to verse 5. We're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, 
being much more precious than of gold that perishes, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, you love, in whom though now you see him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. That's the purpose of the guarding work of the cross, that we might reach the finish line, that we might continue the fight that's already been won, that we might run the race and we see him, and when we see him, he says, he doesn't look at us and say, depart from me, I never knew you, but he says, well done, my faithful servant. And he's only going to tell us that if he sees his faithful servant, Jesus Christ, in us. Because he's given us his righteousness through simple faith in what he did. Amen? He's already won the battle. He's already delivered us to the place of victory every moment. And now he is all, all, what he is requiring from us is to simply acknowledge by faith that what he's already done. And when we do that, the Bible tells us that we'll be changed more and more in the image of Christ. The inward man will be renewed day by day. Because all that this whole thing is about, I know many people don't talk about it a lot, but it's what the Bible talks about. It's all about the inward work that God wants to do inside of his people. And he's promised to do, and he said that he'll do it by his power, which is the preaching of the cross. You can stand with me tonight. On this cold Wednesday night, every, every day, every moment is a, is a good moment to once again acknowledge Christ and turn our praise and our faith and our, our worship back to the Lamb in spirit and in truth. So why don't we just do that tonight for a few moments. Let's just worship the Lord and, and, and go to prayer. And if you have any needs tonight, you just feel free to make your way up here. Lord, we come to you tonight and, and we love you, Lord. We, we ask that you'd, that you'd be with us in this place, in, in abiding in us and in your truth. We know that, that whenever your truth is, is believed in and surrendered to, which is your son Jesus, you've promised, Lord, to show up and do the work, the inward work that needs to be done. We thank you, Lord, for being so faithful through the sending of your Son and being so faithful through the delivering of us unto that work every single moment. There couldn't be a, a, a better way. There couldn't be a more perfect way than the way of you, Lord, the way that you've chosen to work with man, to save man, to change man. Lord, we love you, and we are eternally grateful for that eternal work at Calvary. We praise your holy name tonight, Lord. We, we take a minute here right now just to express our thanksgiving for what you've done in your son, Jesus, and in placing us in him, Lord. We worship you tonight. You're worthy of our praise, Lord. You're worthy, Lord. Worthy is the Lamb of God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. If there's any needs in this house tonight, you can just go ahead and make, it, make your way up here. I know many watching have needs, and we'll pray over those.
Lord, we ask you right now in the name of Jesus to touch all those who might be watching who have a need, whether it be physical or spiritual. Lord, I'm asking you to show your power, the power of the cross on their behalf, Lord, that you might have your will and your way in all these situations, Lord. And we pray and ask that those needs would be met, Lord, if there's a sickness, that it would be healed, Lord. If there's a lack, that it would be met. If there's a need, that it would be met, Lord. And we're believing that you're faithful to do all these things. We're believing in your name tonight, Lord. You are our refuge. You're our strong tower that we run to in our times of need. And every time is a time of need for us, Lord. We're asking you, Lord, as we get ready to leave this place, that you would direct our attention and our faith every moment of the day to your Son, Christ Jesus, that we might trust in Him, that we might follow Him and get closer to You every moment of the day, Lord, that You might draw us closer than ever before to You and what You've done and accomplished for us, Lord, that we might learn and grow and be edified, Lord, and be changed and be convicted and whatever Your will might be in our lives, that it would be done because He followed Your will all the way to the cross. We thank you, Jesus, for that faithful work there that day, Lord, and that eternal work, God. And we thank you for showing us everything, Lord, and and, and revealing more of that perfect truth to us, that work every day until the day comes that we see you face to face, Lord. We thank you for who you are and what you've done, Lord. We love you, and we thank you, Lord, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. I was thinking during the message before we go tonight that uh, we're kept by the power of God at the place He delivers us. He delivers us unto death because out of that death is the only thing He's offered that's unto salvation. We're kept by the power of God. We're kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. We're kept by faith in the place that he's delivering us. But it takes our faith to stay in that place. We're kept right there. We're we're not kept by God where he's not delivering us. We're keeping ourselves. We're taking care of things unless our faith is in where he took care of everything. Amen. Good word tonight. I appreciate that. It was. A, I'm glad you got to finish it. And uh, praise the Lord. We're praying for Brother Jimmy and the McCoys and Gwen and Gladys and everybody else that I can't think of right now. And uh, you start naming names, you're not going to remember them all, but we're believing God just like you are for the healing that you need and the deliverance from whatever it is that's got a hold of you that you need. Amen. All right, we love you. God bless you. Have a great week. I hope to see you Sunday morning at 10 a.m. See you then.